This is Hammond and Jess, and you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast for all your podcasting needs. <laughs> um, we are we have so many things to talk about. It's mm-hmm. almost all Jessica bait. <laughs> um, well, I was I, saying to have it before we started recording, I have a bunch of like I bookmarked things throughout the week that I'd like to talk about. And then I got the second my second shot. I got the Pfizer shot on Wednesday. Today's Friday, right? Today's Friday. Sure got my shot on Wednesday. The next day. So yesterday I slept until about 930. And then I went back to like I took a nap on the couch from 11 to 4, <laughs> ate one meal and then went back to bed at like 630. Slept from about 8 to 10 today when (laughs) Hemant texted me and asked if I was ready to record. And I was like, I don't even know what year it is right now. So I didn't feel... This is a good commercial for the vaccine. (laughs) I I didn't feel terrible. Um, I just felt exhausted. Um, And now today I seem to be fine. I've only been awake for 45 minutes. So unclear where this is going to go. We'll find out very soon. (laughs) The reason I wanted to start off with this story is... I feel like this has taken up half my week, Oh, but it's wild. So here's, here's what happened on my end. Someone sends me a link. Like, have you heard of this pastor who said something? I check it out. It's basically someone saying I used to like attend this church. Mm -hmm. I don't anymore. And Mm -hmm. this sermon that this pastor gave in Missouri, um, this sermon that he gave two weeks ago is the reason why. And she posted a like 20 minute clip of the sermon. I, so I go to look for this sermon on the church's website. It's the only one that's not there on Uh-oh. their like video archives. They removed it. And so it's like, Oh, well that's interesting. What the heck happened in this 20 minute sermon? So this woman who, uh, who posted it on Facebook must've gotten a clip of it. Cause it mm-hmm. wasn't available elsewhere. Here's the the church's first general Baptist church. It's in Malden, Missouri. And the pastor is Stuart Allen, two mm-hmm. first names as a name, Stuart Allen Clark. And I'm going to tell you clips of what he said, because it was the sermon clip that was available was about 20 minutes. But if you break it down into sections, okay, here's among the things he said, you know, the distracted boyfriend meme. Uh, The guy looking back at another woman, he said, here's what the pastor says. And ladies, here's the thing you need to know about men. Don't Mm -hmm. give him a reason to be like this distracted boyfriend. You hear me? Don't give him a reason to be looking around. Yes. Mm -hmm. So blaming her for him looking around. Uh Then, Then he goes on to say. And by the way, again, in a 20 minute sermon, I'm taking clips here, but these are not out of context. It's I'm taking away the fluff. Okay. So uh, quoting him again. So, okay. Why is it that so many times that women, after they get married, let themselves go? Why is that? Why do they do that? (laughs) Oh, no. Wait, it gets worse. Now, look, I'm not saying every woman can be the epic, the epic trophy wife of all time. Who are we talking about, Jess? I don't know. His wife? Melania Trump. I'm not saying that at all. No. Most women can't be trophy wives, but you know, like, like her, like Melania, maybe you're a participation trophy. I don't know. Oh no. But all I can say is not everybody looks like that. Amen. Amen. With the picture of Melania on the church slideshow. And then he adds, but you don't need to look like a butch either. Whoops. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> oh. Wait, hold on. I thought yes. we were like at the dating I'm wall. I'm so not of even this. done yet. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. It's okay. Just, it's just a lot. Is the oh. thing, and oh, I've been yes, unconscious for 24 hours. I feel you, like I'm coming out of a coma. This is why this sermon went viral for all the wrong reasons. He goes <laughs> on to say, "Let me tell you something. I have a friend. He has put a divorce weight on his wife. That's how important Shut this is." Shut your fucking face up, Hammond. Uh huh. I should say, not that it matters who's delivering this. But this is a man who is not exactly spelt. Um, no, so, really? I mean, I don't appreciate the comments that were like, uh, he's one to talk about women losing weight. I don't appreciate that because it doesn't matter if this is like a skinny hipster pastor saying the same stuff. Sure. But also the hypocrisy is very apparent. Anyway, he also says makeup is a good thing. You know, my little boy said, why do girls wear makeup and perfume? And you say, because they're ugly and they stink. You don't want to be ugly and stink. Wait. I don't even know who he's quoting or if he's saying it or quoting it. Wait, I'm sorry. That wasn't a goof that you were just doing. He literally no. told his son that girls are ugly and they stink if they I, don't wear makeup. I can't tell if his son said that and he's quoting him or he's quoting it. But he clearly agrees that women who don't wake, wear makeup are or, ugly. Or at the very least, he thinks it's a real fun joke. Yes, yes. And then he closes that 20-minute clip by saying, scientists have discovered, by the way, a food that diminishes the woman's sex drive. It's called the wedding cake. <laughs> yes, I'm quoting the laughter. He laughed at his own joke. Oh, Jesus. Which also tells you something about his marriage. Oh, my Christ. So that's just a 20-minute... Those are excerpts from a 20-minute clip. So, of course, I'm posting that compilation of, of just those lines. And that takes off for all the wrong reasons for him. Well, all the right reasons for you. Well, yeah. Because, again, here's the thing that I... The reason I think this went viral. Because it's I don't awful. think it's just him. Mm. I think this is a common practice. And based on comments you see online, there's so many people saying... This isn't my pastor, but I've had pastors like this. Right, it might as well be. Yeah, it might as well be. And so this goes on for a while. No wonder the church deleted this before it went viral um, and made it unavailable. But again, I mean, besides pointing out the obvious, I know people who listen to this podcast are probably aware of why this is all problematic. But again, (laughs) the idea that it's everything's the woman's fault, uh, it's her responsibility to make him happy. It's never the other way around, even if that's the implied message in a Christian church. Like, no, 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 you're you're you all do this for the your partner. Right. It's all about mutual respect and all that, except the burden is always on the woman. Of course. He also, it was also weird to me that he implies that every man finds the exact same kind of woman attractive. Yeah, he's definitely kind of uh, tipping his hand in a way that I don't think he means <laughs> to. Yeah, he also suggests that every relationship has the same kind of 80s stand-up comic flavor. That's honestly, that's what I was going to say. It <laughs> kind of reeks of like Ted Cruz's CPAC thing of like, hey, I'm just going to take this. I've got a stage and nobody's going to tell me what to do or not say. <laughs> so I'm just going to work out my type five on this unsuspecting <laughs> audience. Yeah, he, he suggests implies that no woman cares about what a man looks like or thinks like. He implies that no woman has a sex drive like a man. He implies that all women have less sex after marriage. Like, again, you're telling on yourself at that point. You're not really saying anything that is relevant here. 
So anyway, this happens earlier this week. This video starts going all over the place, and a lot of people are commenting on uh-huh. why this is so. Again, plenty of Christians too. Why this is so bother bothersome to them? Sure. So this Baptist church will not say anything. They just shut down their social media. They want to be dis- they want to disappear from the world for a while. No <laughs> one's responding to comment from anyone. Mm-hmm. Now, it turns out they are overseen by a group called General Baptist Ministries. And okay. that ministry basically said, here's their apology message that night. Look, uh, General Baptist believe that every woman was created in the image of God and they should be valued for that reason, dot, dot, dot. Um... They actually didn't say much about the sermon at all. They just said women are valued for that reason. The only thing they said that seemed relevant is General Baptist Ministries does not have authority related to the employment of any pastor. Basically saying, look, we're a loose congregation. We can't fire him. Stop telling us to do it. We get your messages. Um, So they couldn't do anything about it. They just said, like, stop yelling at us. It's not (laughs) our fault. And that's the last we heard of it. But also, they could have easily said more. They chose not to. Okay, mm-hmm. that's part one. Then the next day... Oh, God. Um, this is after the church took down its Facebook page. This is after they basically removed every video from YouTube and Vimeo. This mm-hmm. is after they removed their church contact page from Whoops. their website. Um, after, going in incognito mode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after all of this, someone else... And I was I was kind of sad they took down their entire archive because like I kind of want to see this other sermons from this dude now. Sure, is this part for the course or was this yeah. like was he feeling a little frisky that day? So a woman named Savannah said, "Oh, I used to attend this church, and he's been saying the same shit for years now." Because here's his sermon from Mother's Day 2019. Mother's Day. Oh, oh, no. oh yes. No. Mother's Day sermon. Stop. Let me, and again, I just want to remind you, he's not exactly spelt. He says, I would love to be a hot woman. I would love to be arm candy. By the way, I have a joke for you all. Oh. If beautiful Southern women are called Southern Bells, then I guess beautiful Mexican women are Taco Bells. <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, my God. He goes on to say physical beauty is within the reach of every woman. And again, we know what he means by physical beauty. There's literally one definition in his mind. And then you know how he illustrates that? Uh, He illustrates it. No, not Melania Trump. I thought he was going to go with Melania Trump. He did not. Uh He posted an image of a woman who is the subject of a fat meme, but her backside. And he's like, implying you don't have to look like that like dude what are you doing he also said women should not look like butch unquote again like butch that's his phrasing he told women to look more feminine and also this was in a separate clip from that same sermon he walked on stage in high heels and he said he was doing that because he was doing it in the quote spirit of trying to identify as a woman that's a trans joke from this guy because conservative comedians only know one joke and it's, I want to identify as a blank and it's always something stupid. Attack helicopter. Um, (laughs) Super fuck this guy. Um, Do you think like far be it from me to like armchair psychoanalyze this guy, but do you think he's dealing with some like gender dysphoria stuff that he's trying to work through? (laughs) 
No, no. I think he just thought, you know, it would be hilarious if I make fun of trans people because the rest of the sermon is making fun of women. And he wants to be inclusive like that. Here's the only sort of repercussion we have seen so far from the church, in addition to disappearing from the face of the universe. Well, I'd say one repercussion is that I have to listen to him. So that's bad for me. But go on, talk about this guy. About, About 24 hours after the first post about this guy goes up, their website's homepage, the church's website's homepage, added one sentence. It said, a statement from the deacon ministry team. It says this. I'm reading the entire statement from the church. Okay. As of March 2nd, 2021, Pastor Stuart Allen Clark has taken a leave of absence and is seeking professional counseling. Oh, that's good, I guess. So, yeah, I'm not sure how to take that. I mean, okay, leave of absence is good. You should get out. Except, here's my problem with that. That means he's not going to be preaching, at least for the foreseeable near future. Right. But again, it doesn't sound like anyone. It doesn't sound like this was a one off. Like it's one dude with bad ideas. Sure. They they probably will replace him with another man who holds the same ideas, but doesn't right. talk like him. It's not a you bad know? apple. It's a bad orchard. Yes. And so a leave of absence is good, but also uh, you're not dealing with the underlying issues here. Right. Seeking professional counseling is actually more than I thought they would say, but also it depends where he's getting counseling from. Is it like an evangelical counselor who says, look, you're right about women and marriages, but you can't can't say say it it like that. There's a difference between that and someone who's going to correct him and disabuse him of the note. Like, what are what is he getting counseling for? I feel like the church ought to tell us that they have not. Um. So anyway, that's the latest update. It's been three days now since that happened. I have their church. I checked right before we started uh, recording. They haven't returned their archive. They haven't. Po- their Facebook page is not up anymore. The guy's yeah. personal Facebook page is not up anymore. Uh, they're not answering any questions. Like and they're sorry. just hoping. They're waiting for the controversy to to tide to, over, boil yeah. over, and then they can maybe come back. Did you say that he uh, he's like not the only pastor at this church or he is? I don't know. I okay. they they aren't saying um I mean I can't check on the church's website it really just has him listed. Uh-huh. But this is one of those churches it's a Baptist church it's like a group of white guys uh-huh. like that run the church. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure if he steps down there's another guy who could take a spot and again it's it's like the Republican Party. Trump is gone, but there's a million little mini Trumps in his wake who don't sure. talk like him, but want to be like him. Mm-hmm. So I don't think anything changes. And I don't think the church and certainly the church has not apologized for the oh, gist, no. the gist of what he said. And the group overseeing the church hasn't said they said anything wrong in theory. No, they're not going to apologize for something that they do not think was incorrect. Like they all think that women are meant to be objects to be admired by their husbands. Like that's, that's the sum total of what they want out of women. Aspiration for all women to be arm candy for their husbands. Right. And more Melania like, like Jesus said. Oh boy. And like, it's so funny because I feel like Melania is always held up as this like sort of beauty standard. Oh my God. We didn't even talk about that. Go ahead. Yeah. Just, okay. Aside the fact from like, she's a literal model. So maybe we shouldn't all aspire to look like what a literal model looks like because there's a reason they're models is because they don't look like a regular human being. Yeah. But also girlfriend looks miserable all of the time. (laughs) As, as many people pointed out, I'm sure listeners are screaming at us too. Okay, yes, she is a model. 
fine. It didn't help if the whole point of his sermon was look like her and then your man won't stray or something. We're talking about Donald Trump, who literally, like, while she was pregnant, was with Stormy Daniels. Oh, it didn't, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it didn't even work to make your pastor's point over here. Like, that's not the issue. Do you not understand that? Well, and it's so fun. <laughs> like, you know, not that I'm an expert or some or anything, but, like, I'm sure people cheat for all different reasons and marriages end for all different reasons. And usually the a number one reason isn't my wife put on 10 pounds and now I need to go fuck somebody else. Like, like, uh, God, they're the worst. Yeah. So there's my Jessica bait. Number one. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll skip to a happy, amusing story for a second. It's not happy, but at least this one's more anonymous and funny. Okay. Um, in this is this got no media attention at all but there was a guy whose divorce in new york went through um here's the short version of the story guy wanted a divorce from his wife in new york Mm -hmm. you can you can do that it's a thing (laughs) and then the woman sued the state of new york why would she do this? Why because she, do she this? said by allowing the divorce to go through, you're basically going against my religious beliefs that say we are married together for all of life. We are bound together forever. Huh. That's what my religion teaches. And by allowing this uh, divorce to go through, you're violating my religious rights because you're forcing me to go against God's wishes to keep this marriage whole until forever. I'm going to be honest. I love this line of thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, here's the, here's a little bit of backstory. If you want even more amusement here, this guy, Henry King is his name. He's been trying to leave her for three decades. Apparently <gasps> like he first filed for divorce in 93. He actually cited cruel and inhumane treatment which I guess you need a reason to get divorced in New York at that time. Uh And because there wasn't enough evidence, a judge said, of cruel and inhumane treatment, you could not divorce for that reason. And so he didn't go through at the time. I don't know the I don't know the divorce law there or what happened, but apparently he just let it slide after Uh, that. Yeah, it kind of stops being funny when he accuses her of abuse. Like if she's abusing him and then pulling this shit, it's. Not a feel-good, dumb story. It is a story of a monster trying to keep her man hostage. I have no idea what's actually going on in their marriage. But they stayed married after that, even (sighs) if their marriage was not working. Um, But but in any case... Rich people can do that, you know? Rich people can stay married and just never (laughs) talk to each other because they have enough space. Sure. So in 2016, he tries to divorce her again. And at this point, state law has changed so that divorce is allowed if you are if your marriage is, quote, irretrievably broken for at least six months. So if both sides just say it ain't going to work, it's been six months, we tried. Mm -hmm. That's as good of a reason as any. Mm -hmm. Um, So fine. So that's what he can get his divorce. She challenges that. But last year, the divorce was granted. I guess okay. that after all the legal battle for years, the a judge says, no, it, the divorce is fine. You can get divorced. Okay. And now she's suing the state. The reason this is news this week is because a judge basically tossed aside her claim. Oh. And basically, the argument was, she. this woman says, I'm quoting from the judge's ruling, 
She contends that she has suffered an injury, in fact, and direct harm because, as a devout Christian, the law has forced her to live in sin and face great shame. But, dot, 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 an individual does not have a right to remain married to another adult Mm -hmm. against his or her will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He tossed it aside saying... To, uh, to say that the guy has to remain married to her because of her religious convictions, it would defy all logic and reason and create a much larger establishment clause issue, basically, if I if I let your claim go through. That yeah. one just amused me. That's actually, you know, I feel like we don't read a lot of sensible rulings on this podcast <laughs> because of the nature of this podcast. But yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that guy. Let's talk about... Okay, here's another church scandal that I'm st- I have a lot of questions about. Let me give you some backstory here. There is a Christian apologist uh from Canada. His name is Sai Ten Bruggen Kate. He's well known if you're into debates and apologetics. Wait, is this his handle or is this his Christian I, name? That's his Christian name, like S Y E the number ten. I don't I don't know. Sai Ten. Anyway. The reason he's like notorious online is because he believes in something called presuppositionalism, which I, you know, I hate philosophy, but basically he's saying everything that is in the Bible is divine revelation. And he uses that as the basis for everything. So like forget reason and logic and evidence, um, but God exists. And if someone says, well, how do you know God exists? Because the Bible says he exists. And mm-hmm. since the Bible is true, everything inside of it is true. Someone literally asked him at a debate once, does Christianity require you to be kind to other people? Mm-hmm. And his response was, I don't know. You'd have to quote the verse. Because if it's not in the book, it doesn't oh, matter. God. It's very much circular reasoning. He's like just... a textbook de- definition of it. It. I don't know if you've ever seen years ago, Patton Oswald had a stand-up bit about like, and the punchline is basically, I'm really glad you have a favorite book, but could we, <laughs> could the rest of us kind of just live our own lives? Yes. Um, so anyway, this guy, he's, again, he's well known in those apologetic debate circles. He's mm-hmm. been doing this forever. And so out of nowhere uh, this week, he posts something on Facebook. I'm going to read you the entire thing. Uh, I'm going to read you the first half of it. That matters. It is with great sadness that I must inform you that I have been guilty of moral failure what? and will no longer be involved in public ministry. What? I have, yeah, I have spoken with the elders of my church and they have determined that my sin disqualifies me from the ministry. This means that I will no longer be involved in teaching, preaching, or apologetics. I'm sorry for the shame my sin has brought upon the name of Christ and for the hurt I have caused. Please pray for me. Oh, no. There's some other details there, but that's that's the idea here. Okay. Um, What the hell did he do? What did he do, Hammett? Tell me. I No, I. that's a question <gasps> I genuinely have because he don't know? sure as hell didn't say it. And Right. And so I, I'll give you one update on this, but... In his Facebook post, he didn't say what he did. And again, when a like hardcore conservative fundamentalist Christian says, I have committed a sin, it could be anything from I abused a child to I slept with someone to I voted for Joe Biden to like anything. I don't like his everything is a sin in this guy's eyes. Sure. And so when he says I committed a great moral failure, it could literally be anything. And I almost think it's unfair to him that he didn't specify because you're making me think the worst. Of course. Of course. Um, 
the only uh, I have written to the elders who are now overseeing his stuff or mm-hmm. overseeing him. They didn't respond to me, but they did respond to one Christian reporter. And what they said is he was in some relationship, maybe with someone in his church, though then they removed that part of the statement. Like, it okay. seems like there was some other relationship going on that he shouldn't have had. It doesn't seem like it's a crime. It doesn't seem like it's illegal. It seems like it's a moral, like you said, a moral failure, which again, I, I would say part of me says it's nobody's business. Part of me says, well, you're a public figure who preaches on one thing and then does another. And that hypocrisy <laughs> is worth pointing out, but yeah. you didn't say it. it's, it's just weird to come out of nowhere. I will say the one thing I appreciated about his apology, it's, well, it's, is it an apology? I mean, is it an apology if he doesn't admit to he said, specific I'm sorry for wrongdoing? My, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. He said, I'm sorry for what I did. Um, what I, I like is he's just like, look, I did something bad and now I'm going to go away. <laughs> As opposed yeah. to the other churches who are like just disappearing, he kind of just closed the door quickly and is saying, "All right, I did bad, and now I'm going to go away, and I'm going to delete all this very soon." Mm. And then he basically did that. It's like, oh, oh, okay. I My mean, guess right now is a same-sex relationship. I There's- thought about that too. I. I have no reason to think that's true. No. Um, or that would have, someone would have said that. Uh, I think it's with a woman. I think it's with a legal age woman. I think that's limit. I think that's it. So again, I thought about, was it with another guy or something? Is that why he yeah. thinks this is some big deal? But again, I have no reason to think that's true. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Nothing like a good mystery on a Friday morning, huh? Emmett? Right. I'm so, I so want to know, but. As opposed to that first church, I don't think we're going to get more information. And, no, and like this actually sort of feels like it's not really our business, which it's never necessarily our business. But like it it doesn't sound like it was illegal. It doesn't sound like it's something I, I think that's why I think it's maybe something like a like a like a non-gender conforming person or something that like. Mm the rest of us are completely, completely fine with and don't bat an eye. Whereas people in a church would like do a lot of pearl clutching. And that's, that is my thought. So I think it's something that the rest of the universe, the rest of society, the rest of normal, nice, kind people would not give a shit about, but a church very much would. So yeah, I guess an affair, you know, say, uh, you know, just a, a, an opposite gender affair would probably fall into that. Although that's yeah. definitely more, is he, is he, is he married? I think, I don't know. I, hmm never cared and whatever you do you i am curious if he i was wondering when i first heard it did you do something that literally no one else outside your church cares about because yeah it could very well be the thing um again if it's just your personal life i would not care except for the hypocrisy but Mm -hmm. it was just weird let's okay more just sorry wait just to put a button on that this is the guy who would not say he would be kind unless it was specifically listed in the Bible. Yeah. And again, the uh, Bible says all sorts of contradictory things, which is another reason that whole presuppositionalism <laughs> thing doesn't really make sense because yeah. you could make it say anything. I mean, I think to me, that's why it diminishes the possibility that he did something that was actually quote unquote wrong. I think he just did something that was like wrong for the Bible, like gave a homeless person $5 or something. <laughs> right. I don't know what the Bible says. I haven't read it. Uh, Jesus people would be very mad about this. Yeah, that's fine. Um, they always are. <laughs> 
So in Idaho, they've been debating Udaho. some bills. Idaho, nailed yes, it. Thank you. Thank you. You should be a pastor at that church since they have an opening. <laughs> in Idaho, they had they were debating a bill that would have provided about six million dollars for early childhood education programs. Oh, and the a Republican state representative, his name is Charlie Shepard. He said, "I oppose this bill." Uh, he's a Republican, in case you were curious. Oh, no, you don't and, say. Yeah. He said, I oppose this bill. Why? I'm going to quote uh, from his floor speech. I just don't think, I don't think anybody does a better job than mothers in the home. And any bill that makes it easier or more convenient for mothers to come out of the home and let somebody else raise their child, I just don't think that's a good direction for us to be going in. Why do they keep saying the quiet part out loud? Uh, <laughs> yeah. like, wait, can you re- repeat the part that he said, I, if anything makes it easier for women to leave He basically home, said that? if we have early childhood education money, that's going to make it easier to open up daycares and public schools, and then kids will go to public schools or daycares, and then mothers won't have to stay home to take care of the kids. And that means they might leave the house and go to work and have careers and do things that are not housewife or homemaker. And that would be bad. It's just so ironic because, like, I, on the one hand, there are definitely plenty of women who want to continue working when they have kids because they get, you know, fulfillment and joy from the job that they do. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Call me crazy. Um, but the irony is if more of these, like, traditionalist people actually like realize that (laughs) like more liberal policies that provide more money for lower income people means more people will have the opportunity to stay home if that's what they want to do with their kids instead of, you know, just fucking figure it out. And I don't, I personally don't think I know anybody who lives on a one income household. Like that's just sort of not the way the world works anymore. If we want to get back to that, then we should raise wages and raise minimum wage and like make sure people have the right to keep their job even if their boss is like a lunatic i just like it's the abortion thing all over isn't it like we know how to we know how to give people the opportunity to be financially secure enough to stay home with their kids as many want to do and not work for ten dollars an hour that basically barely covers child care oh my goodness gracious me hammond that bill then failed 34 to 34 to 36. It did not go through. They may try to bring it up again in a different form. But for now, this guy helped kill that bill that would give childhood education. Um, that's fun. Good for this guy. I'm glad mm-hmm. that's his legacy. Really, yeah. really doing he God's work out here, boys. Just got elected this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not alone. There's another bill in Idaho. Um this time, the bill would, um, I want to make sure I have this right. There is a bill that would have banned any mask mandates that were issued by local government officials. That's been happening in a couple places, hasn't it? Something like that. This one okay. specifically, it's not about like what the state's going to do. It's not uh, Greg Abbott in Texas saying no mask mandates. Okay. Like, And it overrides a whole bunch of stuff, even if stores want to do it. This Uh one would say if a mayor of, say, like a big city where Democrats live, says we're having a mask mandate in our city. Nope, not allowed to do that. Stupid bill. One of the people speaking in favor of that stupid bill was another state representative, Carrie Hanks, who Mm -hmm. was also elected in 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, Am I right about that? 
I need to double check on that. Don't quote me on that. I um, mean, we literally I, are going to. You're being recorded. I know. State Rep Carrie Hanks said she supported this because masks are bad for our health. No, they're not. Though. And here's, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. No, they're not. Let me wait. Counterpoint. Wait, let me tell Counterpoint? You what she said. They're not. Okay. Counterpoint from her. She uh-huh. said, "Quote: I have done some research." Oh. <laughs> Sorry, those are just the worst words any layman can ever say. <laughs> and I want not that you shouldn't advocate for your own health care, but anytime somebody comes out with a hot take and they're like, I've done some research, it's like, buddy, Reddit is not a viable place to get information from. You need it to gets worse. It gets worse. Ugh. She said on the floor, I've done some research uh-huh. and would like to share it with you on the physical and emotional and even the mental injury to our bodies and possibly even our souls. Wait, do you usually separate emotional and mental well-being, Hemant? Or is that just a thing that they don't understand? There's That's no. a good question. I yeah, I, I don't know why she separated them. I, I just want to take away. She says the masks could injure our souls. Does she specify in what ways our souls can be? In- I was not, frankly, was not aware given, that one's soul could be injured. I thought it was like a non. That, given yeah, that no. she did some research, I was hoping for some citations. I did not hear any. Really? That's so mm-hmm. strange. Yeah. By the way, she's Mormon. She has cited Jesus repeatedly on her social media. Oh, she's Mormon, huh? Uh-huh. Um, oh. I should say her bill has only been introduced. It has not yet passed. But also it's Idaho. So like, who knows? I will say if you're a resident of Idaho, first of all, you know, good luck, Godspeed. But also the best Mexican food I've ever had was in Idaho, which I know is really (laughs) ironic, but it's called Broken Arrow something something. And it's like in way eastern Idaho. And it was like a half hour or 45 minutes from where I lived in Montana. We used to go there every Sunday and then the best fucking food there. And I looked because I'm writing about it in the novel I'm writing and it's still there. And I can't wait to go back. Broken Arrow. (laughs) I'm going to give a shout out to our sponsor. Our sponsor is Stardust Science, which was founded by a 15-year-old secular activist and author, Bailey Harris. And her story is that when she was younger, she was watching that reboot of the show Cosmos, uh, hosted by Neil deGrasse Tyson. And he basically explained that the planet and the stars in our galaxies, we and us, we all come from the same star stuff. And she was so excited by the concept that humans and everything that is living and even the galaxy is created from the same ingredients. And she wanted to tell everyone she knew about this. And so she ended up writing a book called My Name is Stardust. And it's beautifully illustrated. It gets into the concepts of the Big Bang and even evolution and just inspires this love of science and awe and uh, amazement about our universe. So... A new edition of the book is out now. If you go to stardustscience.com and use the code FRIENDLYATHEIST, one word, you will get 10% off of anything you buy or just click on the link in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Let me jump to this story about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine that came out that is now like upping the number of vaccines available in the United States to enough um, with yeah. their help and with the help of Merck, which is normally their competitor, but they are also now making the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. The I will Catholic- say, no, I ahead. will say about this. I do know about this story, despite the fact that I haven't been conscious in forty-eight hours, um, because this holds a world record of people texting me about it. <laughs> 
Is this the, the fetus one? Oh, yeah, more or less, yes. Oh, God. Yeah. The Catholic Church. Lots of people aspects. wanted to make sure this crossed my, uh, <laughs> my particular dashboard. <laughs> yeah. This week, the Archdiocese of New Orleans put out a statement, and I'm going to quote the relevant part here. Um, they, they sent a message to Catholics. The latest vaccine from Johnson & Johnson is morally compromised as it uses the abortion-derived cell line in development and production of the vaccine, as well as the testing. Mm -hmm. They're basically saying the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, unlike Pfizer, unlike Moderna, was tested and created using a 50-year-old cell, like, cell line that came from an aborted fetus, and therefore, there's something immoral about it, so stay away. And when they were asked, like, like first of all, it's 50 years old, these stem lines, like, Pope Francis has said, it's fine, get the damn vaccine. I think I'm paraphrasing him there. Um, the church, by and large, has said you should get a vaccine as soon as you can get the vaccine. It is, don't worry about the morality issue here. You're fine. Like, we support you. And they again, they said this with Pfizer and Moderna, which were not derived from those same stem lines. But also think of the stupidity of the statement, because even if they're right, even if they're saying it's derived from an uh, aborted fetus or something, they're basically saying, you know, we know 500,000 plus Americans have already died. But because we're pro-life, we want you to avoid this vaccine that could save so many lives because it used... I, they act like some baby 50 years ago was guillotined in the delivery room and then they used its cells to create this vaccine and other stuff. That's not how it worked. But again, even if it was, it's like, what is the idea? Think of how broken your brain has to be to think that this cell line that's 50 years old should not be used. And because Johnson & Johnson used it, the vaccine is somehow immoral. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I should say, yeah, in no follow-up follow conversations, they've also said, like, look, you guys, we're not saying don't get the vaccines. We're saying if you have a choice, avoid the Johnson & Johnson one, which, again, just shows you how much of a bubble these people live in mm -hmm. because literally no one has a choice in what vaccine they get. Yeah, I don't know. You said... You said that you recently got the shot too, right? I did. I am a coach at a local high school. And so because I'm on staff and I work with kids, I got a shot a couple weeks ago. And did you get any kind of, did you even know? So I, I got, no, my... I didn't know. I, I got the, the Pfizer one. Cause that's what they had there. Me too. Pfizer twins. Yeah. And so, but it's not like I had a choice. It's not like they asked me, they just said, you want a shot? Sit down. We'll give you a shot. And yeah, I'm absolutely. like, yo. And I think there are maybe some places that you get a try. I think I read in like some of the, like right now they're doing like making the United Center a big testing site. So I think yeah. maybe in those cases, okay, you get so a choice. Maybe in some places, but, but again, still, regardless, so far, by and large, anyone who's gotten the shot, you take what you can get. Oh, absolutely. Like, and again, if Johnson, here's the fear. Now, if Johnson and Johnson is the only one you have available to you, you should get it. It's good. Yes. It prevents death. It mm -hmm. prevents serious sickness, which is all you care about right now. I yes. promise you. Yes. Like literally every health expert has said, it doesn't matter if you've seen numbers about like, well, it's 78% effective versus 95%. Get it, uh, get effective. it, put it in your arm, get put it in your arm now. 
it prevents you from dying of COVID. That's the important <laughs> thing. Get the shot. And again, the fear and, is that when and church, in addition, yeah. spreading COVID to what we think, spreading COVID to others, right? Maybe. Like that's what maybe. they're maybe. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what the efficacy is on spreading it, but again, it saves your life. You should get the shot. And again, the fear is that if there are people who might be able to be eligible for the Johnson & Johnson shot, but may not get it because of what these idiots say in the Catholic Church, that's the fear that the church is driving people away from getting the vaccine. There have been some groups doing damage control saying like, look, get whatever shot is available to you. If Johnson & Johnson is the only one available, you should get the shot, say yeah. some Catholic leaders. We're just saying, if you have a choice, you should take another one, which again, like, just don't sow those seeds. Don't sow those seeds. What are you trying to do here? And again, even if you were right that it was derived from an aborted fetus line, what is the benefit to saying, let's just keep COVID going, even though it kills people because, you know, a fetus that's 50 years old. Yeah, it's not, fuck, it's not great. My dog's about to bark. Tell your dog to zip it. I, I got nothing. I don't actually care. Yeah, no, um, um, it's just, it's so frustrating because I, I feel like we went through a very long phase of masks are not warranted. Masks don't work. Don't do it. Masks mean the government is is controlling you or whatever. Two, hey, we got this vaccine. And I felt like for a month, everyone was like, dope. We're all going to get this fucking vaccine. Churches politics everybody was like yes yes vaccine vaccine and now as soon as things like start to return to normal they're like mm, we need to throw a quick wrench in this wheel because things are going a too smoothly for us <laughs> yeah it's this, just like greg abbott saying like all right no masks anywhere we're not going to mandate it. it's like we were so close uh-huh. it's the same thing that happened a year ago when they're like look stay inside uh what was it uh flatten the curve yeah, if we all stay yeah, yeah. if we all stay indoors for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. this will all disappear not they didn't say disappear but it would go down and of course not enough people did that so it didn't go down and then they're like see it didn't work it's mm-hmm. like you're the reason it didn't work stop complaining we did it yeah. we were the good ones yeah it it, dem- it definitely feels a lot like uh like they're not maybe making intellectually honest arguments about what we should or should not be doing they just want to be right above anything else i don't know it, it's also troubling that these are not evangelical churches who you expect to be anti-science. The Catholic Church, by and large, tends to be pretty good, relatively speaking, hmm. when it comes to science. They're right. they're not the evolution deniers. They're not the climate change deniers. But on this issue, of course, because it touches on abortion, they get all crazy about it and just yeah. stop listening to any kind of reason. I mean, the Catholic Church still is pretty weak about women's rights and, and gay rights, but like... Yeah. But yeah, they could be worse, which I guess is they could not be saying. worse. Yeah, <laughs> and there's an example of them being worse. Um, more Jessica Bait here. Uh. Uh, there is a movie that is out. I don't know if it's out yet or it's coming out or it's available. It's called Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, and it is about a 17 year old girl who gets pregnant, wants an abortion, <laughs> and it's kind of a film, indie film, yeah. where she encounters obstacle after obstacle including going to a quote-unquote crisis pregnancy center, which is mm-hmm. one of those religious fake places that tries to make you stop having them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of follows her journey as she's trying to do all this. It's fictional, but it tells that story of her overcoming these obstacles. And it's getting mm-hmm. amazing reviews. Um, the Academy Award nominations are going to be released in a week or two, I think. And it may be eligible for a bunch of nominations, too. Mm-hmm. But... 
uh, recently, the director of that movie, her name is Eliza Hittman, uh, she got an email from a guy. Uh, his name is Keith Merrill. He's a director and an old Oscar winner himself, like from decades and decades ago. Mm-hmm. He is a voting member of the Academy. And he wrote her a message. And mm. it's it seems like it has been verified. He said to her, Hi, Emma. That's not her name. It's Eliza. But he wrote, Hi, Emma. I received the screener uh, for her film. I received the screener, but as a Christian, the father of eight children and 39 grandchildren. That's too many. Frankly, too many. (laughs) And pro-life advocate. I have zero, all caps, I have zero interest in watching a woman cross state lines so someone can murder her unborn child. 75 million of us recognize abortion for the atrocity it is. There's nothing heroic about a mother working so hard to kill her child. Think about it, exclamation point. Which is his way of saying, I'm not going to watch your film, therefore I'm not going to vote to nominate it for anything because I don't judge art based on its merit. I don't like the subject matter, Therefore, not going to watch your movie. Too bad. <laughs> I am just looking at, oh, good. There was an article about um, on-screen deaths in Oscar-winning movies. Because if I recall uh-huh. correctly, now I haven't seen every Oscar-winning movie. Oscar-winning movies. I just want to just do a quick overview and see how many human people died in that. Parasite, one, two. Many. Several people died in Parasite. Green Book, I did not see. Shape of Water, she fucks a monster. Uh Um, Spotlight, well, maybe we should veer away from that one, Mr. Christian. 12 Years (laughs) a Slave, I do believe that some people died in that movie. Uh I guess I'm just saying that, like, if, quote-unquote, violence, and I'm using big fucking scare quotes around that, um, violence is the problem that he has, then maybe he should contest 2008's winner, No Country for Old Men, which is about <laughs> a literal serial killer, or 2007's The Departed, which I think everybody dies, or Crash, which I hear was terrible, Million Dollar Baby, Death, Lord of the Rings, Death, Chicago is about murderers, A Beautiful Mind, it's about mental illness. Do you, so think, okay. do you think he wrote a letter to the male directors of all of those films saying, I'm, I oppose your violence in your movie. I will not be voting for it. That's I don't one. think like, American Beauty. Hey, I wrote you a letter because I don't need to see a fucking creep on screen for three hours. <laughs> uh, Braveheart, um, Scottish accent should probably be better than well, that. So there's that. Schindler's List. I do no think there were a couple alone. deaths in Schindler's List. At Silence of the Lambs. Now, Silence of the Lambs, I've seen twice in the last year, but I'm having trouble. Was that about murder or anything? I cannot. It was about pretty gruesome cannot murder. Remember, so was not it about only a man making he... a skin suit out of murder victims? That, it, it, like Jesus, it absolutely is. Not only did he not, not only does this guy not sending letters to the directors of these movies, as far as I know, as as I know. haven't seen. Um, the idea, like, okay, forget all that. I don't care if you are pro-life or whatever. Why does it even matter? You're mm-hmm. not judging the message of these films. You're judging their artistic quality. It seems weird to me to hear someone say, I, I'm not voting for your film. I'm not even going to watch your film because I disagree with its message. That to me, if that's the way you're going to approach film mm-hmm. and you're an Oscar voter, that's like saying like, I, 
mean, he sent this to the director. He may as well have sent it to the person working on, I don't know, sound design mm-hmm. or music <laughs> or whatever, because it would have applied to them, too. But it's like, I'm not asking you for your opinion on the movie. I'm mm-hmm. asking, do you think it achieved artistic quality on that level or at a directional level? Like, fine, don't vote for like you don't like the screenplay or something. But mm-hmm. you could still vote for it for other reasons. And he's like, nope, not even going to watch the movie. If you're going to do it's this isn't a pro-life reviewer of movies <laughs> saying don't watch this. It's genuinely it's a, so because like there are a really intri- voting member of the Academy. Why was this guy? Why is this guy allowed to be a voting member of the Academy? If he's like, I don't like the subject, so I ain't even going to do my job. Can he at least pretend to be somewhat objective in a very subjective? And honestly, like, you know, we've talked not you and I, but we as a culture have talked a lot about sort of the value of awards shows, especially in the last few years. And especially like, uh, did you hear the Emily in Paris scandal about the golden globes? Yeah. Where they sent people to Paris, paid their way through and they're all white and Mm -hmm. all that. And they all got like the show, Emily in Paris sent a bunch of the judges to Paris and they stayed at like the plaza or whatever fancy hotel. And then she won nothing. Well, she got nominated, which from my understanding, I did not watch it because I heard a lot of people back on it. It's pronounced Emily in Paris. Because it's that kind of a show. Oh. Oh, I guess it does rhyme. That's really like the parlor thing all over again, huh? Remember <laughs> it's it was supposed parlay. to be parlay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why, okay, as a marketing person, this is why you really need to get out ahead of these kinds of things. If you have a <laughs> challenging name or something that needs to be said in a, per- a specific way, you need to get video and audio out there so people can hear it because they're not going to le- read Emily and Paris because they're not monsters. I think I lost your, there you go. <laughs> I lost your audio for a second anyway. there, but you're saying, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I'm right yeah, there yeah. with you. It, I don't know why he's an Oscar voter. Um, all right, I got one last one. No, I lied. I have two more stories for you because I don't want to let these ones go because they make me mad. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, here is a story that actually might actually be good. Um, usually when we think about faith-based adoption agencies or foster agencies, we are talking about groups that say, we're not even going to work with same-sex couples. We refuse to put kids in their homes. Mm -hmm. And usually we're talking about Catholic agencies. Mm -hmm. And a lot of places over the past several years, states have said, we're not going to give you money to run these places if you're Mm -hmm. going to discriminate Mm -hmm. against same-sex couples, just like we wouldn't give it to you if you discriminated against uh, no Muslim couples or something like that. Um, like it's one thing for you as a religious group to have your beliefs, but if you're getting taxpayer money to do your job, you shouldn't be allowed to discriminate. That's kind of been the case. And with Biden in office and with federal money that could be going to a lot of these groups, um, this is a question that's back up for play now. And again, here's the issue. These groups are welcome to run their, their businesses I'm glad they're doing this because I want those kids to find a home and I want Mm -hmm. people who care about them to help them find families. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, the discrimination is a problem. So the question is, what do you do if you're one of these agencies now? And here's what's surprising. Here's the news that came out this week. A Christian group, uh, it's called Bethany Christian Services. They do adoption foster care work. They have 1,500 employees. It's not a small place. They announced this week that they are basically going to start working with same-sex couples because they know 
what the future is going to hold in terms of taxpayer funding. And they're like, look, we need that money to stay in business. And so we're not screwing around here. We are allowing all of our organizations to start working with same-sex couples. Um, They said 12 states, our branches in 12 states, were already doing that before this, though we didn't say that out loud. But Mm -hmm. we are making a blanket policy that we're cool with it nationwide. We're not going to, like, get rid of you or kick you out if you're one of our affiliates who is working with same-sex couples just because we're a Christian ministry. Uh And they've gotten so much backlash about this from conservative Christians who think they're doing something wrong. And again, the reason this just makes me mad is like, think about what they're doing. They're basically saying, we want kids in loving homes. All the families they work with still have to meet the criteria. They still have Uh to meet certain qualifications, as you would hope for (laughs) with any adoption or foster care agency. But they're just saying, yeah, we're not going to say no to you just because you're gay. Mm, Like, yeah, good. You shouldn't. If they're loving, they meet all the criteria and they happen to be gay. Like, who cares? Yeah. And that's kind of their thinking. It's just not great that it's taken this long to to get to this point. Like, it's not... it, It kind of reminds me back to the, um the the johnson johnson thing like the problem we don't have a problem of surplus that we can be like hyper picky about what vaccine we get or like what parents get to adopt the truth is we have an emergency that we need to get children into steady homes for the benefit of themselves and all of society so maybe just anybody who isn't a total monster should maybe be able to like, you know, adopt a person if they qualify and not disqualify them on very dumb, unimportant garbage shit. Yeah. I should say uh, Chrissy Stroop, who is an activist, uh, ex evangelical leader has basically said, look, don't give Bethany Christian services credit for doing the right thing. Uh, Thank the activists who pushed them to do it. And basically I'm saying this, not Chrissy, basically made the writing on the wall very clear that they were Mm going to be uh, at a severe loss of funding if Mm -hmm. they didn't make this change. And now, again, if they are a big domino in the Christian adoption world, Mm -hmm. I I hope if that domino falls, others will follow because and I hope Catholic groups follow in the same way. Because, Mm -hmm. again, what is your focus? Is it on sticking to your bigoted rules or is it making sure these kids get in homes quickly and with loving, safe homes? Because if that's your priority, it shouldn't matter if it's with the same sex couple. I don't care what your religion says. Mm -hmm. Certainly not if you're getting taxpayer funding. Oh, Um, boy. All right. One last story for you here. We didn't talk about this because it happened last weekend, but it's we should still talk about it. Um, Last weekend was CPAC. Uh, the conservative oh, action, political action conference. That's uh-huh. the one Ted Cruz spoke at. It's all the Trump people spoke at that place. Um, we don't have to talk about CPAC so much. Okay. But one of the groups that was there uh, for, I think, the second year in a row now was a group called Atheists for Liberty, which is like a right wing, oh, Trump loving atheist group. Um, I don't I mean, whatever. I don't think anyone takes them seriously. It's just a few people. They do their thing. Whatever. They have a right to be there. They paid for a booth. CPAC took their money and said, you can have a booth 
and that's kind of it. Who is funding these people? I can't. There's imagine, a couple. Like, there's a couple atheists who have money who are like, "I'll oh. give you the money you need to make it happen." So I feel and like we it. have hard enough time, like trying to find funding for this dumb thing. Like, yeah, let right? alone <laughs> buy. Like, we don't have to buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So, anyway, atheists at Liberty were there. And again, I have my issues with all of their politics. Mm-hmm. That's not a surprise to to anyone who listens to this. But here's here's one thing that I thought made me laugh the most, besides okay. the fact that they exist and they were at CPAC. Um, they Atheists for Liberty tweeted something. Um, let me see if I can make sense of this. There was a speaker who was saying, "What are the most important issues for CPAC attendees in terms okay. of Republican priorities?" And they said the most important issues, 62% of the voters in this CPAC poll said election integrity was the most important issue facing the country, which Mm -hmm. is ridiculous because election fraud didn't happen and all the Trump lies about how he was like he won the election, but all the states were again like that's just not true. But okay, election integrity is their primary issue, 62% of voters. Number two, 48% of the voters said constitutional rights as if someone's trying to take away, I don't know, cancel culture. Yeah, <laughs> cancel culture is taking away their First Amendment rights. It's not true. Um, no, someone's taking away all their guns. That's not true. So constitutional rights were their second issue. And the third one was immigration and the border wall um, with 35% of the votes. And then at the bottom of this list of the top like 10 issues, at 16%, ranking at the bottom of the top tier of things, mm-hmm. was pro-life issues. That was at the bottom of the CPAC audience's list, which part of me said that's not surprising because CPAC are like the Trump people. CPAC is all the Trump people. They don't care about abortion issues, even though the religious right makes up a sizable portion of their base. The sort of CPAC attendings care about the Trump Fox News lies, not the evangelical lies. Correct. That's your backstory for this. So Atheists for Liberty, here's what they tweeted. They tweeted a picture of the the slide with that poll, the results of that poll. And here's what they said. 2021 CPAC straw poll results of most important issues. Dignity slash pro-life is in last place at only 16%. <laughs> also, note that respondents picked three issues. That's exactly dignity. what I was about to ask. Well, saying they could have picked this. They chose not to. And they're, they ended the tweet with, the GOP is being less religious. Wait, what? That is their conclusion from this. They're saying, look, we are, they're implying that atheists for liberty, they're implying that we are there, we are atheists, we are at this event, we are helping make the Republican Party less religious. Please clap. That's Wait. kind of the implication of their tweet here. Are the, do you know off the top of your dome, are these guys, these uh, atheist boys, are they, um, are they pro choice or pro life or anti choice? I think they don't take a... I'm trying to put this in the best light possible. Uh-huh. I think some of them are anti-abortion. I don't think they make it a big part of what they do. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but again, they're... a huge fucking swing to say that sixteen percent, only 16% of people thinking that, uh, you know, abortion rights are a big issue. If they could pick multiple things, I don't know. It's not... Anyway, again, my take from that is, well, of course it's not. This is CPAC. These are the Fox News liars. It's not the evangelical liars. Mm -hmm. Um, Religion isn't necessarily a part of CPAC, even though every speaker talked about it on stage, even though Christian Judeo-Christian values is a big part of what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, 
like it's not as anti-gay as other right-wing events. <laughs> but again, here's my takeaway from this thing. They're celebrating the fact that, according to them, the GOP is becoming is being less religious. One, I don't think that's true. If you look at anything the Republican Party does, religion plays a large part in what mm-hmm. they do. But also, you're celebrating irrational dogma lies conspiracy theories that are secular in nature right instead of religious conspiracy theories i don't know why you think why they think it's any better like josh hawley does not talk about religion as much as marco rubio or ted mm-hmm. cruz or somebody he's batshit crazy oh yeah and he spreads a lot of lies and for an atheist group that says implies like we support science and logic and reason to say look we're helping the gop is becoming less religious because they believe election fraud is a thing Mm -hmm. it's like you're just supporting irrational conspiracy theories that are outside the realm of religion right you don't win brownie points for that you're not better off having a party of insane people who prop up trump and marjorie taylor green and lauren bobert instead of like franklin graham and I don't know, name your and Liberty University or something. I don't know why they think that's a good thing. Can I venture a guess? Yeah. So I, uh, my dad, who I've talked about a few times, is, used to be a Republican, is now a uh, now a Democrat. And actually, oh, I didn't tell you, I'm. Um, they both just my dad and mom just got their shots. So hey. in a couple of weeks, I'm going to go spend the night with them. And I think I'm going to interview my dad about this exact exact Ooh, topic of like, how did yes. he go from being a capital R Republican to volunteering with Joe Biden inside four years? Mm-hmm. Um, but so he and I talk about about this kind of thing at length um, loudly, as you might suspect. Um and what he says very frequently is a lot of his friends. So he he's retired. He lives in Wisconsin on like a in like a golfing community. So it's a lot of similar like old white guy boomer type deals. So a lot of very similar, uh, you know, everybody kind of has the same kind of mostly conservative whatever that you'd expect. And so I was asking him like when people are still defending being being Republicans, what are their talking points? Like what do they have to say about that? Um, And he said time and time again that it tends to be they are anti-abortion. And so whatever party is also anti-abortion is the party they want to be a part of. They are truly in the most fundamental way possible single issue voters because these are old people who are probably not going to have to worry about getting an abortion in in their life. But be like they're pretty well off. So it's not, you know, most Democratic policies aren't really going to benefit them because, you know, there's not a lot of tax breaks for golf courses or whatever. Um, But I think that is probably part of their thinking of, hey, the right doesn't care as much about abortion anymore. So maybe this is a safer place for you to to be if you like some of their policies, but hate that they are anti-abortion. That would be my guess. I suspect I did more thinking about it right now than they did before they tweeted that. But that's yeah. just, that's my, that's what I would venture to guess. Yeah. I, again, it's not a surprise that I don't like what the group stands for in right. general, but it, it just made me laugh that they're like, look, they embrace secular conspiracies and this is a win for atheists. It's just the dumbest hot take 
I yeah. think of. Yeah, the only thing I can think that's like positive about that is like, hey, maybe maybe this is a sign that abor- you know, abortion is not going to be the it's tentpole not. issue. It's that- not. It will always be a tentpole issue, just not at CPAC. It will be in the Republican mm-hmm. Party. And all oh, that's of those a good point. speakers, again, CPAC is not a conference. Even though Christians go there, it is not explicitly a religious conference. <laughs> these are Trump supporters. These are these are Trump cultists. These are not like a church gathering where they also that doubles as a Trump thing. Sure. So don't that straw poll means abs- absolutely nothing. I think there was a thing that came out because Donald Trump was the like leading candidate for the 2024 elections based on their straw poll but with but he only got 55 percent of the votes and that's yeah. relatively low but again did you who see was, that like ted cruz got like two percent or something horribly yeah. embarrassing like that that fucking yeah. schmuck but also there's the whole point is their straw polls for the presidential winner like it says nothing about who the nominee ever actually is oh yeah These are, so it's it all performative nothing. it's all performative and again it just oh that group and celebrating stupidity i don't understand it's like the log cabin republicans who are like the lgbtq republicans who are like look we're helping the republican party be more like less anti-gay it's like have you you're stupid if you think the republican party's on your side they'll gladly use you and say see we're totally reaching out they'll take your warm body but they're not going to like do anything to make you more accepted into this community because they don't give a shit they don't need you or want you right oh boy do you um years ago when we first started this this program um we interviewed a an anti-choice atheist and i do not remember her name or anything about her Mm. in hindsight in hindsight i'm not sure we should have done that what do you think i debate it sometimes not uh that person specifically no Um, no no, no. i don't don't think there's any issue with debate with talking to someone we disagree with i actually um i've thought about this for my website too where it's like do you is it worth highlighting people who say something wrong or just giving them a stage. I think if you're pushing back on it and saying, here's why I think it's wrong or having a public debate or having a public conversation about it, I think there is value to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard someone say like, well, would you give a platform to let's say an atheist group that happens to oppose LGBTQ rights? And I think my knee jerk response to that was, yeah, I'd be really interested in how Mm -hmm. they could justify that. Um, Not to give them a platform my platform to Mm -hmm. let them spew bigotry, but trying to figure out what the hell's going on with them. I think there's value to that. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a problem with that per se, but I think you want it in a right context. So you can't ignore them. They exist. Mm -hmm. The question is, how do you talk about them? And there's a way to talk about it. That's useful. I'm not saying we did it right. I'm not saying like that always is the case. There's plenty of things on my website. I wish I could go back and change in terms of like, well, I'm not going to do it that way again. Right. Um, which happens, Mm -hmm. but I I, just talking to them, I don't think bothers me that much. Mm -hmm. It's, did we push back when we should have enough? That's a question I would ask. Yeah, I think that's the problem that we see a lot is when somebody controversial goes onto another platform. And like, I, I, I don't know. I genuinely am not sure. I somewhat agree with you that like, it's not a bad thing to let these people, let these people air their opinions and then have somebody who is constantly pushing back on them. 
But to mm-hmm. me, the problem almost always ends up that, and then I wouldn't even say anti-choice people are like this, but definitely like Christian apologists tend to kind of talk in circles and can like really get on a rant and will say five things that are wrong in one sentence. And it's impossible yeah. to like point by point fact check them unless it's, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like they, they have so much time to just spin their wheels and say whatever bullshit they want to say. And you as an interviewer or whatever can only interrupt them so many times to like verify yeah, things. There's that a debate at, at some point they're just, this is called right, it, it's the gish gallop where you, if you spew that much bullshit everywhere, they can't respond to everything. And there's mm-hmm. victory in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think as I say, I feel like every fucking week it's all about intellectual honesty and dishonesty. Like if they want to come out and actually genuinely sit down and discuss these points, that's one thing. But like if, I think the key is if I ask them a question, are they going to respond with an answer to that question? Or are they going to respond with like a pre-recorded message that they've said right. a million times? And, and there are Democrats are who respond with the pre-recorded message too. And it's always infuriating, but especially oh, yeah. on Sunday morning talk shows when they invite Republicans on, it's a constant source of frustration when they mm-hmm. just give them a platform to spew lies about like the election fraud thing. Right. And they don't push back in any meaningful way. It's like, why would you invite these people on unless you're going to do that? Like, mm-hmm. no one should be interviewing, like, Joe Manchin or Kirsten Cinema anytime soon without hammering them on their filibuster opposition. Right. Like, what? Right. why? What's the point of talking to them unless you're going to do that and you ask no other question? That's all that matters mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and anyway. that doesn't even necessarily make very good, compelling television or blog oh, stuff. Oh, just, like, I talking disagree. About totally oh, really? disagree. Really? If all you spend, spend, if you get them in an inter- interview for like 30 minutes, th- there was a Jonathan Swan of Axios did an interview with Trump months ago, which went, uh, which was probably arguably the best interview anyone did with Is him this in the four Australian years. Guy? Uh, ish yeah maybe i think that's okay. where he's from but yeah he had Wait, an he kept holding but up charts for yeah, him he's okay. he kept he knew the facts and he didn't let trump get away with it he just mm-hmm. kept pushing back on all the lies instead of letting trump just talk and it was revealing because trump didn't have backup he just kept digging his ditch and it was compelling for that reason instead of all the other like there's interviews with the christian broadcasting network a guy named david brody who has had interviews with trump Multiple over the course of the four years, he did multiple interviews with Donald Trump, never Mm -hmm. once made news with any of them. Mm -hmm. How do you interview a president and not make news unless you just let him talk and ask him (laughs) softball questions, which boggles my mind? Like, why would you waste an opportunity like that? And it's so predictable because Trump, like, as soon as he gets into an interview, he takes a bit in his teeth and is like, fuck you, I'm going to talk about whatever I want to. And it's, no, it's not going to make sense. And no, it's not going to follow logically from each other, but you're not going to be able to stop me talking. Right. Anyway, um, I'm done now. Okay, good. I'm um, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> do you want to have our behind her eyes corner? <laughs> so I peer pressured Hammett into watching the show Behind Your Eyes, which I which I not only watched last week, but rewatched that weekend and took <laughs> notes so my friends and I could have a an important telephone conference about it. We only got halfway through my notes in our hour and a half call. Um but it was so good. It was you good. think it was good? Okay. My sister in law's on episode three right now and she texted me like, This is great. The, it was good in the sense that I watched the whole thing. I won't give anything away. It was good in the sense that I'm like, all right, I gotta watch there's only six episodes. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I gotta watch the next one. Um, did I like it? Nah. But it was good. Did you feel that the ending was earned in any way? 
Mm, not really. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's all I need. Um, so anyway, if anyone wants to watch Behind Our Eyes and tweet at me about it, I'm at Jess Bloomke. That's all I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> Hemant, where can we find you online? Uh, I am at Hemant Meta on Twitter, FriendlyAtheist.com. Go there. And mm-hmm. if you like this show, go to Patreon.com slash FriendlyAtheistPodcast. Oh, you know what? I just remembered. Um, so I, yes, Wednesday, literally this week was just a lump. Wednesday, I got um, a job offer for, for a new role that I'm Ooh. very excited about thank you i've been freelancing on and off um and this is gonna be full-time for a little bit um but the reason i bring it up is that right when i lost my job the week before christmas which was let's all remember a week and a half after i had a miscarriage q4 of 2020 was not my like best time i would say but anyway um um, a couple of people in a private Facebook group that I'm in uh, just chipped me some money because they thought I was going through a hard time and like wanted to give me 50 bucks, which was like, I cried for two hours about it. Um, but for those of you who they just like Venmoed me like 25 bucks, it was incredible. Um, and I want to let them know that I am go- as soon as I get my first paycheck, I'm going to donate like, I'll probably double that and donate it. So I think I got like 75 bucks. So I'll donate a hundred, uh, $150 to Planned Parenthood. Um, just because it did, it it was very helpful. It helped me, you know, make sure I, my bank account didn't go into negatives, but, um, but I, right now I want to make sure that I pay that forward because I, I'm truly grateful for, for people who care about us, which is weird. Um, we're not people worth caring about. I cannot be clear (laughs) enough about that. Hammond doesn't even have emotions. Um, but anyway, thank you for everyone's emotional and, and financial support over this. So uh, I, I genuinely really appreciate it. And I'm going to try to make sure I spread that generosity as much as I can. Anyway, my husband's home with Taco Bell for lunch. Um, do you have nice. anything else, Emmett? No, I'm good. We'll see you all next week. Have a all good right. one. Bye. Bye. <laughs>